Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. Russ, the links to all of our social media outlets are in the descriptions to every episode. Uh, we make it really easy to find the show. And if you're just on Twitter and wonder where you can find it, it the links are in our profile. All you got to do is click the, the badge and, and go to the profile page for the Thundercast. And there's several links right there to make it really easy for you to follow the show. It was a up and down week in herd athletics. A lot of really cool stuff, which I have not heard what we're talking about in five things as per the norm. But mm-hmm. I got a feeling that some of those really, really cool things are included there. And of course, we all saw what happened this past Saturday with the football team down in uh, at the game with South Alabama, and we're going to get into that too. So let's get it all rolling uh, after we get this quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Matt and Jason are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who have helped many people just like you with claims throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Car wrecks, truck wrecks, and injury claims aren't just something they do, it's what they do. Find them at 304carwreck.com. All right, well, I guess it's best to start with the five things as we normally do because I'll be honest with you, I need a little injection of positivity after what was a... Really high and really low weekend. So, lay it on me. Give me five things that every Herd fan needs to know this week. And these should do it here. These should be kind of uh, positive for you to give you a little pep in your step. And uh, here's five things every Herd fan needs to know this week. As always, brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, as has been the norm, SBC uh, Players of the Week for various sports come out on Monday. That's when our episode comes out, so these are about a week in behind. But Jaden Harrison named SBC Special Teams Player of the Week last week. Yeah, from 75 week, obviously. Yeah. And got to say, called that. If you didn't see that one coming 15 seconds into the game, you just were not paying attention because he had a really great game. And and, Mm -hmm. um, obviously now when you shoot up to being like number one in the country in, you know, special teams categories, several of them, well, you really don't have any choice but to make the man special teams player of the week because it doesn't really matter. I mean, I think somebody would have had to kick like eight field goals or something amazing like that to uh, outshine uh, what Jaden Harrison did. But he's just been killing it all year long, honestly. I mean, if you want to narrow down to probably the top three bright spots on this team all season long, Jaden Harrison in the kick return game has been one of those guys. So not surprising, awesome, and very well-deserved. How many times during a game have we seen that he didn't take it to the house, but he was that energy burst that we needed yeah. because he returned it to midfield? Yeah. Uh, it was just the right time. And from that point on is when we picked it up. We picked it up on offense. We picked it up on defense. It was just that shot in the arms, like getting a B12 shot. Boom. Jaden Harrison, 40-yard return. Everything yep. flips. Yep, it was right. There's several of them that have landed around mid midfield when – 
you know, the, what has been a, a reoccurring theme this year with the herd is that the offense just cannot get it going. And then it's Jaden Harrison from special teams getting the spark, getting the guys jumping, because there's really nothing like a kick return, a big return, or obviously one for a touchdown, that ignites a crowd and ignites a sideline when nothing else is seemingly mm -hmm. seemingly going right, or it's just stale. And he did mm -hmm. it several times, done it several times on big returns that have immediately led to the herd going down the field and scoring a touchdown when they couldn't yeah. get anything else going. So uh, I think he's going to be um, undoubtedly the first-team all-sun belt kick returner. You know, he may even be – uh, be arguing strong for, I don't know if they do special teams player of the year, but if they do, it's going to be hard to take it away from him, you know? So, uh, he's just been one of the really, really big bright spots that just has not dimmed all season long. Yeah. And other than, uh, starting a half, when do we get a kick return? It's after our opponent has scored. So mm -hmm. opponent scores, Boom, Harrison gets the crowd into it. I mean, I've been there, and he returns it to midfield. All of a sudden, the crowd pops huge, and the energy's back, and that's just the way that we get that back after giving up a score. So, yeah, yeah. well-deserved for that 75-week uh, honor. Uh, also, number two here, also Sunbelt Conference-related, uh, Essence Clerkley named second team all Sunbelt Conference for volleyball. Yeah, that's not really surprising to me. I Actually, I'm a little surprised that we didn't see a couple of other names that had really good years, but uh, mm -hmm. big, big time congratulations. Second team All-SBC is really a solid honor. You know, I thought we might see some uh, other players like Jasmine Parrish get a mention in there because the match that I went to, it was um, it was like befuddling to me with how much velocity – the ball comes off of her arm, you know, it, it, and there, and there we've had players that have, that have also had really solid seasons. You think of players like Lid Montague might've had a mm -hmm. mention in there somewhere, but Bren Brown. Yeah. Bren Brown for sure. But to only have one um, based on the season that Marshall had as a whole, it doesn't surprise you because often those all SBC honors or all conference honors are dominated by players that are also on really well-performing teams. And mm -hmm. while Marshall had an underwhelming uh, regular season, they still got into the volleyball tournament, had them a bye, right? And uh, and I'm going to ruin it a little bit for later, but they even notched a win, you know? And I mm -hmm. doubt very many people, if anybody, outside of Hurt Athletics were penciling them in to get a win in the tournament. So big congratulations to Essence Clerkley, a deserved honor on a really good season. Um, I'm just really happy for – Herd volleyball in essence that we got some sort of postseason recognition in an otherwise pretty um you know underwhelming season. We we thought we might see some a bigger stride. We didn't see that, you know, but there's uh it, we when we talked to Coach Ari, she said, you know, we had we were trying to set a new floor. And, you know, the herd, like many teams, struggled with some injuries to some bigger, bigger performers this year. So now, you know, you look towards next year, you've got the momentum of uh, a win in the Sunbelt tournament. You know, maybe some of these youngsters play a bigger role that were in these past two recruiting classes. We'll see. But nonetheless, great honor for Essence Clerkley. Much deserved and really proud of her. Absolutely. Number three, we got some more honors here. Rasheen Ali has been uh, invited officially to the East West Shrine Bowl. Yeah. I tell you what, that's a double edged sword for me. 
while that's a really nice honor, it makes you think like, well, this is a postseason like showcase game. So you play mm -hmm. in something like that, you ain't coming back. You know what I mean? Right. So while the invite's out there, I don't think it says that he has accepted the invite. I just think that they have officially invited him. So you got to be aware of that. If you see something with a accepted or he lands, if you check the Shrine Bowl rosters and he's on there, well, I think that might tell you all you need to know. The other thing is I was really excited about that because forever they have been playing this game in St. Petersburg. And I was like, well, I wonder when it is. Wonder how much tickets are. Maybe I'll get to go and check it out. Well, guess what? They moved the damn game to Texas. So now it's not in Florida anymore, right down the road from me. It's it's all the way in Texas. So that so sucks. if I'm if I'm understanding you correctly, you're upset that the East West Shrine Bowl moved from the East to the West. I actually, yeah, I mean, should have been the North South <laughs> game if it was all the way in Florida. But yes, I, I am just. Uh, I was really excited about the potential opportunity to maybe see Rasheen Ali in a uh, showcase game really close to the house, but not going to happen. And I, I would be too, obviously. I would be real pumped to see that. And uh, I just, I being honest, if I'm looking at uh, Rasheen Ali's career here and everything, I actually do believe that he is going to the combine and he's going to try for the NFL after this season. Uh, I know he has eligibility left, but he got here and uh, he's already graduated. He graduated last year while he was hurt. And now he's been here. I mean, yeah, this is his second full season that he's had, yeah. but he's been here for, for several different years. You know, he didn't play in the COVID year. Um, he, he was uh, red shirting that year. And uh, I think he was here in 19 as well, but was a prop on the team. And I, I think, you know, getting a degree, uh, having the injury that he faced last year, uh, coming back and showcasing when he is healthy, that he can do it and be one of the top backs in the country. I just feel like this is last year. That's yeah. just me. I have no, I have no inside information. That's just me thinking. I know. And, and it's, it's, it's tough, right? Because, um, some house cleaning notes from, you know, last week when we were talking about different websites showing Rasheen being over a thousand yards, some had him under. Well, this week yet again, um, he's showing just under a thousand yards. He needs 13 yards to eclipse a thousand, according to ESPN. And you got to think, man, unless something happens, he's going to get 13 yards against Arkansas State, right? He's going to have to get at least 13 yards against Arkansas State for Marshall to have a legitimate chance to win. So now you're looking at a multi-thousand yard rusher. You know, if he were to stay and exhaust his eligibility, which is in today's world, it's just not really realistic. You would like somebody would just have to be so committed to a school because the offers will come in. If you're performing so well, they're going to come in and, and you're going to be faced with these decisions you have to make to do I stay or do I go? And, you know, but I'm with you. I, I'm about, I was 60, 40. I think I'm closer to 70, 30 that um, if Marshall doesn't make a bowl game, we'll see Rasheen Ali play his last game for the herd on Saturday because of the injuries and the talent and you know you mm -hmm. only got so many carries in your body right and when the injuries yep. start mounting up you want to try to get compensated for those carries and mm -hmm. test the waters and, and make a go of it so 
it's another reason I think you know herd fans might want to get out there to this uh, this senior day because it may also be you know some underclassmen that are playing their final game for the herd, and we're just speculating. We don't know anything. Yeah, I always like to sure. say that we have no insider yeah. info. It's just a gut feeling. Yeah. Nonetheless, really cool, really cool honor. You know, really the only thing that ranks above that as far as showcase games is the Senior Bowl. And, of course, mm -hmm. very, very rarely do you see a junior get to play in the Senior Bowl. It has happened, yep. but it is mm -hmm. very, very rare. So if you're not going to stick around long enough in college to get that invite, East-West Shrine Bowl is about as good as you're going to get as far as the showcase goes. But I don't know, man. Um, having Rasheen potentially test the waters, it's uh, – it doesn't. It doesn't. As if all you're thinking about is herd interest and your herd fandom, you don't want to hear that, right? Mm -hmm. But as far as being a fan of a guy like Rasheen Ali and wanting to see Absolutely. him succeed, you're like, go for it, man. Do your yes, thing. Yes, sir. Because you are great. You know. Yeah, I, I think he is probably one of the most complete backs in the nation, uh, without much argument from anybody. And I mm -hmm. mean, we're talking about the elite of the elite. He blocks well. He he uh, catches well out of the backfield. Uh, he's got power. He's got speed. He's a threat to get a touchdown every time he touches the ball. Yeah, he really you is. Know? And um, I, it's just and he's been such a great ambassador. Uh, you know, last year he was hurt, and you still saw him on the social media posts when they were saying, "Hey, uh, here's the team over at the Boys and Girls Club," and he was there. You know, mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's extremely humble and soft-spoken, yet he definitely lets his performances uh, speak for themselves out on the field. So he's been he's been great. And uh, I, I want any son of Marshall to uh, to succeed. And I'm cheering him on that he'll go in the NFL and he'll get that bag, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to see him stay just because I'm a Herd fan. Right. I want to see him stay because he's a great player and he's and he, you know, helps us win football. We're a better team with mm -hmm. Rasheen Ali healthy and in the backfield. But you start to ask yourself, you know, also like, well, is it a just as good of a recruiting tool to uh, have him do well in the NFL? You know, so I'm a mixed bag on it. You know, the herd fan in me, the diehard herd fan in me wants to see him stay in Huntington. But just the overall fan that loves seeing our players do well, wants them to maximize their potential as soon as they can. I would rather see him go to the NFL than go to another college team, you know, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. All right. Uh, keeping on the Rasheen Ali uh, theme and the East-West Shrine Bowl theme, he was also named to uh, the Shrine Bowl Player of the Week that 75 week as well. So... Great. I mean, we don't have to revisit what he did. He put up 167, 168 yards, something like that, three touchdowns. Mm -hmm. uh, he he was uh, in the Thundercat, you know, as we call it, uh, several different times, got scores off of that. Um, just amazing performance. And, and that was great amongst all the people, running backs that could be named – you know, from that roster or invite list or whatever you want to call it, uh, great honor for him to be the one that was chosen. Sure. A little national pub, you know, from a fairly large contingent, of, you know, of eyeballs get on that kind of thing. You know, scouts are looking at that. I mean, scouts in the NFL, all 32 teams have visited Marshall, and a huge reason to that is they want to see number 22. 
you know. I mean, they're there to watch guys like Porter and, you know, also. But <laughs> you don't not go to Marshall and not watch Rasheen Ali run. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, our fifth and final thing, is, unless you have any to add to this after we talk about this one, is uh, we're going to have an Appalachian team, Appalachian League team, coming to Jack Cook Field, and they're going to be here June of next year. I mean, we're looking seven months away from having a wooden bat league right here in Marshall. Yeah, and it, summer baseball back in Huntington, West Virginia, feels good. I mean, damn, mm -hmm. man, it was the 90s the last time that was there. You're talking about the Huntington Cubs that was there for just a couple of seasons. It wasn't like they were a staple of the city for decades and decades, but people still talk about the Huntington mm -hmm. Cubs. And, you know, there's some guys that actually made it to the show that played for the Cubs, you know, a couple of guys, and, and that's pretty cool to think about, you know, that some of these – stars they weren't just players in the majors there were some stars that played in Huntington even just that brief stint that the Cubs were around and having a minor league team in a sports town like a college town like Huntington just kind of fits you know mm -hmm. because the Huntington doesn't have the personality of a pro sports town right there's it's never going to feel like that but boy if they don't have a you know minor league like cold beer baseball vibe in Huntington than nobody does. And it's right. really, really cool. I tossed out uh, my my submission for the name, and I think they really should consider it because nothing feels better to me than the Tri-State Booger Cats, and I think everybody would rally around that because, uh, you know, if you don't know the story about the Booger Cats, then you can look that up your own self. We don't need to get into it, but I think it fits, you know, because this mm -hmm. can't be like a Marshall centric team, yeah. but it should kind of pay a little homage to the city of Huntington while also representing all the communities around. Uh, that's why I'm not saying like Huntington booger cats, you know, because it's, it's a regional thing, right? I think the other thing that you have to, and this fits with what, your suggestion was online the banana slugs you know you've got names that uh that just uh the trash pandas you you know you've right. got to you've got to have something for marketing you've got to have something that's a cool logo you got to have a name that people from seattle to florida to maine want to get your jersey they want to get your hat they want yep. to get your shirt. They want That's to get right. your foam finger. They want to get all that because it's a cool ass name. Yeah. And I think Booger Cats does that. So I think that was a good submission by you. Yeah. I've I, seen I, some, it I've fits, seen some man. other ones on there. Yeah. Um, I know. Somebody yeah. else tried to submit it later and I'm like, Hey man, like I did that already, but that's fine. I, I think it fits. I think the Booger Cats would be like, I, I even said merchandise flies off the shelves. Cause I think it would. I think, I think it so. absolutely would. I think everybody in the city of Huntington and around would, who wouldn't want a cool, like if you kill it, like I'm not saying that I just did some AI image generators to get a quick logo. Now the logo, right. whatever, but the name for sure. And if you kill the logo and you kill the, the, like, even if it's like some sort of unique B for booger cats or whatever it is, you know, you got to have the, the letter and the, mascot logo if you dominate mm. those if you knock them out of the park using a bad pun literally your merchandise will fly off the shelves and it will sell around the globe um on the web so yeah. 
might just listen to me on this one. I think I, I think I've got lightning in a bottle on that one. I didn't even try to come up with anything. You know, uh, I saw what you had put out there and uh, saw what some other people put out there. Uh, Andy Gilliland did uh, an AI thing and he, mm -hmm. he had the, he had the slaw dogs and I thought that was pretty cool. That was too. good too. That was yeah. good too. Um, but I think, uh, I think Booker Katz hits all the right notes. You know, it, it tells you some history, you yeah. know, it, it, uh, has that, that name, that cool thing that anyone from eight to 80 might want to rock, you know, and say, I got to get a shirt. <laughs> what Booger the Cats, hell is a booger you know? cat? <laughs> and you've got built in a built in story already. You don't have to manufacture yeah. some. Here's why we chose the trash pandas, for example. You yeah. know, it's, it's already a part of the city. It's already a part of the region. And yeah. it's, it's a built in story ready to go. Just print the damn shirts and put them <laughs> on the rack, man. And uh, finally, we just want to talk about uh, this is not going to be like an affiliation with, say, the Reds or anything. Mm -hmm. This Appalachian League, it's a wooden bat league. I think uh, it's going to be 20 games here in Huntington and, you know, roughly 20 away. So you're looking at a 40 game season and it's going to be um, like Major League Baseball assigns the rosters and everything, 27 players to the roster. And uh, I think the article has already said there's been several Marshall players already signed to it. Of course. So you're you're going to see a lot of local college players or recent college players that are hoping to move on to the minors. It's it's kind of like a little developmental league from but you need that. major league, but you that's, definitely need that. That's been something that has been yeah. missing. That's probably the yeah. second biggest piece missing outside of having a field in Huntington because it allows yeah. some of our guys to stay yeah. in Huntington and play all year long so that they never get out of the swing of things or they don't have to uproot their lives and travel several states away just for a couple of months just to continuously mm -hmm. play baseball. They get to sleep right. in their own bed. They get to practice in their own facilities. You know what I mean? Like, and play on mm -hmm. their own field. You need this. And yeah. like I said, it's some, It's going to be something cheap to do for people all summer long to go watch a minor league games, drink some beers, have a great time in the summer months and the evenings in Huntington, West Virginia, watching some fun baseball. It's just a great thing to have. Um, using your pun, we knocked it out of the park getting this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, there's just no other way to say it. I mean, I, from, from what I have understood about this entire process, there are a, a lot of, uh, things that just conveniently fell into place, but it was a vision of, you know, the, the upper, uh, people in charge at Marshall that just really made this happen. So, mm -hmm. Uh, kudos to everybody involved because this is absolutely huge. And I think it can be a game changer for not just the stadium, not just the baseball program, the athletic department as a whole and Huntington as a whole. The region. And not and yeah, not just Huntington. You're talking about, you know, this River Cities area, you know, right. uh Point Pleasant down to here, over to Ironton, you know, down to Louisa and right. Uh, you know, uh, Wayne County and, and Barbersville and everybody around here. I mean, you uh, really Ashland edge and, up to over to where, you know, the, the Charleston minor league, yeah. that's going to be your kind of your dividing line. But yeah. still, you've got a huge region, a huge potential fan base. We know that baseball is really big, like 
youth wise in Huntington and Barbersville mm-hmm. and, and in Canova and, and Benson and places like that. So you're going to get a lot of people out to these games, man, because they won't have to drive all the way to Lexington to watch a game. They won't have to go all the way to Charleston to watch a game. They can take a 15 minute drive, pay a couple of bucks, you know, for a ticket and and take the family out for, you know, 25 bucks or something like that. I don't know. We don't know what ticket prices are, but generally they're, they're affordable because they want people to go. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's a it's just a great thing. It's something new to be in Huntington, and it and it's just going to be cool. And it won't be owned by Bob Castellini and his doofus son, so I can say, <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll go over and watch that. You know, I feel good about I feel good about the direction of this team. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that ends. Unless you've got something else to throw in, that ends our five things every herd fan needs to know this week. Always brought to you by Ignite Link. Nope. The only thing that I have to say is. Tri-State Booger Cats. That's the team. <laughs> That's the name. It's it's presented on a platter for you. No, that that was a great five things. And um, I know we have even more positivity that's coming at the end uh, in Around the Herd because there's something that I thought was going to be there that wasn't there. So you surprised me. Uh, but I know it's still on the horizon. But I guess what mm-hmm. we've got to talk about now is we had a huge football game with postseason implications implications uh that went down in against south alabama this past weekend and boy um it was i don't rough doesn't encapsulate it you know it was not enjoyable to watch that game uh south alabama of course gets the win 28 to nothing um dropping the herd to five and six on the season, just two and five and dead last in the Sunbelt East division, which sets up a literal must win game for senior day against Arkansas state for the hopes of bowl eligibility. And to add a little insult to injury to that, this is not what I'm intended to do, but you have to say that a record nine Sunbelt teams are bowl eligible right now. And we are not one of them. So if that tells you how on the upswing this league is, then you know that the herd needs to be a part of that. And several other teams in the Sun Belt can become bowl eligible this week. I'm sure Arkansas State is already bowl eligible, so they're just playing for a winning regular season. We are playing for a bowl slot, right? Uh, but the the Sun Belt has the potential – to have, you know, maybe 10 teams or so be bowl eligible. And that is astonishing to me. And that doesn't even count James Madison because they have to have enough teams not be six and six for them to become bowl eligible themselves. So let's talk about this game. And um, I'm not, do we have to? Yeah, we're going to because <laughs> I, know, just, I know you don't want to. I mean, not that you don't want to. I know no, you're just no. being tongue in cheek there. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to talk about it because yeah. uh, with so much on the line, um, and I don't say things like this like a lot of folks do. Like I've never been so because I've inevitably been more disappointed at, at games at certain times. But this is one of those that was so disheartening because of what was on the line. We knew what we needed to do. We had just come off of a great performance uh, to get off of that five-game losing streak and during 75 week, and we had a really, really hard-fought win that was a gut-check-type moment for the Herd. You know, and going into this one, yeah, it was 10-point 10, 10 spread or something like that, and, and 
to have this one turn out the way it did, man, it was just, it was, it was so disheartening, right? Um, indicators, and then I'll get your reaction. Swept again by South Alabama. You know, we were off the heels of being swept in all indicators by Georgia Southern. We were able to get the win because of the difference in play in special teams and Jaden Harrison and being SBC special teams player of the week. That was the difference. South Alabama swept every indicator in this one, too. Total yards, 393 to a meager 201 yards of offense for the herd. Time of possession, mega woof. 36 minutes to 27 seconds to just 23 minutes and 33 seconds of game possession for the herd. Nearly a full quarter. Uh, first downs doubled up 20 for South Alabama, 10 for the herd. Third downs doubled up 3 of 14 for Marshall, 7 of 17 for South Alabama. Penalties, 7 uh, for 41 yards for the herd, 5 for just 37 yards for South Alabama. And turnovers, 3 for the herd, just 1 for South Alabama. That also doesn't account for turning a ball over on downs two more times at the end of the game. And, uh, you know, another fumble on a kick return that was recovered by the herd. You know, it just kind of fell on it, but still. Initial reaction to this one, Russ, before we talk about uh, stats and get into all the other stuff. I, too, do not bandy around uh, phrases like you said, this is the worst, whatever. Um, you know, you don't hear me say that uh, hardly any time. Uh, I also feel like I've tried to be as fair as possible mm -hmm. in the two years now that we've been doing this, two different seasons we've been doing this. This was the worst game of the year. Uh, I think it was worse than Coastal, which I was at, you know, and I feel like we got burned more on defense in that game, way more than we did in this game. Uh, but I felt the offense was just that anemic in this game and not putting up a single point. I mean, we didn't even get in the range to be able to try a field goal that I can remember. I'd have to go back and look at the, you know, how close we had gotten to see how far up we had gotten. But it just, I mean, it was bad. And I think every person top to bottom in our fan base and our coaching staff and our players can tell you that the performance was bad. The game was bad. Yeah. I do want to preface and say, I didn't see anybody. I said this on our post game spaces uh, that, that you weren't able to go to. I didn't see a single player give up. I didn't see a single player not putting forth the effort. Uh, so I cannot say, you know, well, this team has given up because I didn't see that. It was just, it was a, a bad game. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's extremely fair to say, and probably a lot more fair than a lot of people would say, but uh, it, it was bad. And the majority of that was the offense. Just, there was nothing. I mean, there's, uh, there was one drive that you could even begin to talk about that was good. And it ended up being bad for some of the same reasons that happened early in the game. Mm-hmm. No, just as uh, just of note, uh, Marshall's longest drive of the game was eight plays and 49 yards, 
and it ended uh, on the South Alabama 28. But you're not going to kick a field goal in that scenario right. because it yeah. was the last drive that the herd had. So what 28 yeah. to three doesn't do anything for you. I'd rather right. you take your shot and convert, try to convert a fourth down and at Agreed. least try to get a touchdown. So I got no problems going for that. Right. Right. But that just, tell, that just tells you it was the last herd drive that got anywhere close to being in really long field goal range. But yeah, it was just bad. I mean, it was bad. So, yeah, I and in fact, if that drive would have been to open up the second half, I wouldn't have said let's get a a field goal here or try for a forty five yarder. I would have said, you know, as as little chances as we've had to get to the end zone, that's right. Go for it. So I I cannot fault them for that. I no. was just I couldn't remember how close it was that we got to see if we were even there. So. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, but let's talk about some individual stats because there's not much to talk about, right? Uh, Cole Pennington, 22 of 36, gets the start on the road, second career start for the young Pennington. No touchdowns, three interceptions uh, in the first half, including for the second straight game, his first pass attempt is intercepted. Uh, and then one rush for minus 18 yards that doesn't fall on him necessarily. That was the bad snap that he just kind of had to fall on. But that was his only, you know, carry that was counted as a rush attempt. He had no other rush attempts. Rasheen Ali, 16 carries for just 55 yards, 3.4 yards per carry. But get this, also led the team in receiving. Four catches led the team. 41 yards led the team. Demarcus Harris had three for 34. Uh, talking about no points, it gets a little worse than that. Heard zero plays of 20-plus yards. Longest play on the day was 19 yards, so absolutely zero chunk plays for Marshall. Um, I mentioned Pennington's first pass was an interception. Well, the first two drives ended in interception, and they had three total in the first half. I think there's a correction in there. He uh, led, opened up the game, very first play of the game was a six-yard pass to uh, uh, Ali, so it was his second okay. pass. And so I should have said first drive of the game ended in, yeah, in interception. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the first overall pass, but still second. And yeah. it was only a, a couple of plays in. And then also Caleb Coombs is credited with six receptions. So he only had 23 yards. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'd so uh, Ali Ali did not have uh, the most receptions. but Most yards. He, 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 yeah, but he was still second most receptions. Yeah. So the, the other thing that you add to that, I mentioned, I said two interceptions to start the game, three total in the first half. The third one was kind of inconsequential. It was the end the yeah. half, but still just chuck mm -hmm. it a little farther out of bounds, you know. And then uh, you add to that three more, three and outs on just 12 total possessions for the herd. So half of your possessions were either a three and out or a turnover. And that's just absolutely not a recipe for success. Um, defensively, Stephen Dix Jr. and Eli Neal both led the way with the absence of J.J. Roberts in the back end. Did not know that was a thing. I just kept noticing, like, I'm not seeing him out there. Uh, but in his absence, Stephen Dix Jr. stepped up in a big way. We expect these type of performances from Eli Neal as it is, but it was nice to see both those guys put in some work. 14 total tackles for each. Eight of those solo for each. Stephen Dix Jr. adds a sack and two-and-a-half tackles for loss. Also, two-and-a-half tackles for loss for Eli Neal. Adds two passes defended and a fumble recovery to his game. Amir Foster, the youngster, and A.G. McGee, the youngster in the secondary, both had uh, were the number three 
and four tacklers for the herd, nine for Amir Foster, five of those solo, and six for A.G. McGee, three solo and a pass defended. Impact plays for Marshall. They only had three total sacks on the day. Uh, we mentioned Stephen Dix, get, Stephen Dix Jr. getting one. Elijah Alston had one, and then half a sack each by Mike Green and Sam Burton. No interceptions on the day. One forced fumble and a fumble recovery. Uh, they gave up 28 points on four scores to South Alabama. It was two field goals, two touchdowns, an extra point, and a two-point conversion. But some of those scores were set up by early interceptions. We know that. So uh, to start the game, South Alabama was just kind of in business. And, um, you know, the the the, the bugaboo for the, the herd defense is kind of twofold in this one. A, they were on the field a shit ton. And number two, South Alabama's primary playmakers that we said absolutely could not have huge games all had huge games. Carter Bradley was very efficient, did not turn the ball over. Um, Ladarius Webb had a, a great game on the ground and had his first receiving touchdown of the season. And um, uh, Colin Lacey killed it through the air in the receiving game and punt return. So special teams, John McConnell was a bright spot for the herd yet again, seven total punts, 299 yards, 42.7 yard average. Two of them landed inside the 20 with a long of 53. AJ Turner did all the kick returns. They kicked it away from Jaden Harrison all day long. Smart move, three total kick returns for 32 yards. But I did mention he had the fumble, which he just immediately fell on. So it wasn't a big deal. Russ, let's revisit some keys if you got yours. I got them. Number one. Num- number one was stop LaDamian Webb. And uh, I talked about his yards and their losses versus his yards in their victories. He got over 100 yards. Uh, he he wasn't even the only back to make a huge impact. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't do that. Red X. Yeah, I called him Ladarius Webb. I meant to say Ladamian Webb. My apologies. Uh, I, my number one key to victory was this had to be the Ali show for Marshall to have a legitimate shot to win this one. I said he needed to go 120-plus, didn't get halfway there. I said he needed at least two TDs, didn't get any. The only thing that he achieved that I said he needed to achieve was no turnovers. But otherwise, it was not a good offensive day for Rasheen Ali. It was apparent that he was the only viable weapon on the day, and South Alabama knew it, right? Uh, number two, what was your key? Lock down the top two wide receivers, Lacey and Pritchett. Um, huge red X. Pritchett only had one uh, catch. It was a 25-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. Lacey didn't get any touchdowns, which blows my mind because he was all over the field. He had nine receptions, 126 yards. You talked about what he did uh uh, in the return game as well. Uh, we didn't do that. Big Red X. Yeah, I'm going to bump my number three up to number two to cut, piggyback off of this, just like when we did the preview. I said we had to blanket our two, their two through five wide receivers, but they only threw balls to six pass catchers, and one of those was Webb, and he ended up scoring. Uh, you mentioned uh, Pritchett, who got a 25-yard score, but it was Lacey that did all the damage, and – you know, he was on pace to have – he had a great game anyway, but in the first half he had like seven catches already. You know, yeah. I thought, my God, he got he might get 20 balls, you know, and we could be looking at a 200-yard day, but they just kind of hit cruise control in the second half. Yeah. There was no need for them to press anything and, and allow the herd to get back into a game by just trying to force more points and yards. He could have had a huge game. I mean, an even and, huger game. And the other thing that you mentioned there about 
six pass catchers. You mentioned Webb, but uh, second overall receptions was their backup running back, Braylon McReynolds. And he had five for 21. And it just seems like every time that they needed something, McReynolds was doing it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I gave them a, I gave them, I don't know why, but I gave them a half for this because they really kind of shut down everybody else uh, from a yardage standpoint outside of Webb. And, or not yarded, but a touchdown standpoint outside of Webb and Pritchett, but it was all the yardage was eaten up by Lacey. So they, you know, yeah. they did a decent job of shutting everybody else down. It was just they didn't stop Lacey. So what was your number three? Well, I hate to even bring it up. Uh, creative offense to get us to 35 points. No chance. Red X. I mean, yeah. we got zero. But there was no creativity to it either, you know. I well, I don't think – I mean, we, we weren't doing the basics. That's I mean, what I'm saying. You know, so you, 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 you know, can't you even get, get to the <laughs> – you can't get to the creatives, you know, when, right. when you know. So. Well, we have seen that, you know, when the herd is trying to get something. We've seen the double pass. We've seen the reverses. We've seen all that kind yeah, of stuff to try sure. to jumpstart when the basic stuff isn't working. And I think they might have tried something. They did. They tried some they kind did. of flea flicker, double reverse, it whatever, was. but it was yeah. a seven-yard pass, Yeah, you know. I don't think that's what this is in the playbook for. But anyway, yeah. uh, my number two was they had to get to Carter Bradley. I said the herd needed to have four-plus sacks. They had three, obviously not enough to get the job done, you know, as the defense just stayed on the field uh, because of the inabilities to move the football of the herd offense. What was your number four? Number four was to force field goals, and we talked about their kicker who had had trouble uh, above 40 yards, and he's lining up for the first one, which would be a season long, and the announcers say, well, we know he can hit this and then some, and I was like, what? And then he hit it, and I'm like, on. well, that was a 48-yarder or 47-yarder or 47, something. yeah. And then he goes for the next one, and they're like, maybe it was a 48, and then we got a penalty, made it a 43, but that's when they were talking about it's like, well, he he was uh, good from 47, but it was good for a lot longer, and we know he can kick over 50. And I'm like, we hadn't made one all year. Yeah. I don't know what the deal is, but, you know, what we were looking at wasn't what that dude was doing because he made everything that he was asked of him. So, Well, I'm thinking that they were saying we know he's good from that because he's got a strong leg. It might have just been an accuracy issue with these other kicks or, you know what I mean? But he, there was, those were no doubters. I mean, they they were not like eking over the crossbar. He had plenty of leg. Yeah. He had a great, he had a great, their kicker had a great game. I am going to give them this one though, because I said force field goals. Now it was my, my thinking was if you force field goals, there's a good chance he's going to miss them if they're long. That's the whole discussion that we had. So I can't fault them for, they they held them. (laughs) No, but I'm saying the defense held them twice to open up the game that really would have kept us in that. Yeah. Uh, You know, if we could have went down and scored, we're up by one. You know, yep. if we hit if we hit the extra point. So I'm going to give them a, a check there because the, I think the defense in those drives did what they needed to do to at least in bad circumstances with field position after the interceptions to hold them to two field goals. So, yeah, they that, yeah. that didn't happen all game long, but I'm going to give them a check. Yeah, there's nothing. I mean, they did do that. They did hold yeah. them to field goals. It's not our yeah. fault that they hit them. You know, yeah. you're you're gambling at that point that you miss a couple or one or something. And sure. you're also gambling that, hey, we'll put some points on the board. And that right. didn't happen. Number yeah. four for me was you got to make the first hit count and limit those yards after contact. 
and that did not happen. I mean, Webb goes for 124. Lacey has 126 plus another 72 in the punt return game. That it, you don't have those type of numbers if you're not gaining yards after contact, right? And if you're if you're gaining those yards without getting hit, that's a bigger problem. So well, it's we, another we saw... red X for me. It was a half out of four, and it's you just it's 28 to nothing doesn't surprise you if you're not you know capturing any keys to victory. We we saw several times of even after the first contact, sometimes the second contact or the final contact, they're still falling forward. Yeah, you know they're they're getting an extra yard, two yards, and all that. And some of those went for first downs. Some of them made it easier to get first downs. So, yeah, I mean it was just I don't know, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Well, you're going to get an opportunity because it's great, <laughs> and. uh you know, I know you have this uh, kind of philosophy of not handing out Fs, and I'm not saying I know what your grades are. I don't. I don't yeah. have any clue. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, there's this is the opportunity to dive deep into these particular categories real quick. So you might as well do it. What do you got yeah. for the quarterback, Young Cole Pennington, making his second career start, first one on the road? Um, what do you got? I've got a D, and uh, we saw balls thrown high. We saw uh, even the the dumps uh, into the backfield for the release, you know, when everyone was covered downfield. Uh, some of those were high. Uh, we had uh, – I'm not faulting him with that snap. It was just miscommunication. Could have been uh, – He wasn't uh, looking. They showed the yeah. replay. He wasn't looking. Yeah, it was uh, – I don't think that it was snapped when, I mean, cause he did, obviously didn't call for it to be snapped. Um, I also can't fault him for the uh, halftime interception. In uh, that, I mean, all, all that is right there is just something that you put on a stat line to say, yeah, because you're taking a shot at the end zone and your only chance to put up points on the board with three seconds left or six or whatever it was when the snap was uh i can't remember what it was and you're like or maybe it was one One. second one yeah yeah. you had to go on the whistle that's what it was so you're looking at just chuck it down there as far as you can if they intercept it who cares as long as it's not getting ran back you know so i don't really care about the the interception there um the first two they were bad Mm -hmm. the second one was worse than the first one First one he got hit as he threw. Um, but I got a D overall, and the only thing that brought it up from an F was the one drive. I mean, he was humming on that drive and shows you what he's capable of doing. Yeah. You know, we were in a up-tempo. He's hitting people. We're moving the chains, and then there's a drop. Then there's a penalty. Then there's – you know what I'm saying? It just snowballed after that. And then he overthrew again. It got him out of rhythm. But once he got in the rhythm, he was doing good. So I can't go for an F there, even though we didn't put up points. He gets a D. Yeah, look, what I try to do when I think about these things, is quarterback in particularly, because it's a yeah. marquee position. It is a it is perhaps sure. the most important singular position mm-hmm. on your team, right? You can't yeah. put it in the same category as an offensive line because that's a unit right. and it's a group. So yeah. You know, there's going to be people that say, well, he's a freshman. It's his second start. And I get that. I, but when you talk about the performance, you've been either put in the game because, again, we saw Cam Fancher in street clothes. We were, mm-hmm. we, I saw a pregame that he was dressed and worked out. And then, you know, Luke Creasy, said, Luke Creasy said after the fact that he got bad information, he actually did not dress. And I saw Cam on the sideline. So Cam was yeah. unavailable. 
But no matter the circumstance, if you're the quarterback, you don't have time to say, well, he's a freshman, he's this, he's that. You're expected yeah. to go out and play, right? Fair, mm -hmm. fair. So, and we didn't get any of that. You know, we didn't get a, a, uh, any semblance of the performance that you needed to have and just in order to free up yards for Rasheen Ali to be able to help you. You know, you have to be able to do something early so that Rasheen can have more of the game to help your offensive um, effort, right? And and 22 out of 36, not terrible, right? Not terrible. Yeah. Uh, but 159 yards and three picks, that ain't never going to get it done, especially with right. – you know, now on the season in, in two games as a starter, no touchdown passes, five interceptions, and six total on the season. I mean, you can say what you want to say, but the numbers are what they are. That's mm -hmm. not going to win you many football games. And uh, this isn't a case of where you're piling on a kid, but the numbers aren't right. lying to you. It's, this is what's happening. This is, you know. So it uh, it is also not terribly surprising that, you don't see the playbook get opened up because they're trying to do things to make him more successful, right? Which I can respect. You, you don't want to go out there and try to just cut loose the football and, and you're not sure. And he's still trying to get used to the game and all that kind of, I get it. I get it. But ultimately you still have to be able to pick up first downs. You still have to be able to take care of the football. You know, you still have to do those basic things that can help contribute to a win. And yeah. through two starts, at least in the passing game, we're not really seeing that out of young Cole Pennington. Zero touchdowns, five interceptions through two games. Um, inevitably, he will get better with more reps, more development. Mm -hmm. But right now, when you're charged with doing enough to get some offensive yardage going, some points on the board, it's not happening. And, and Marshall, here they are with their back against the wall now, needing a win for hopes of a bowl game. Um it's got to be a great week of practice and a great week of preparation for Cole. If Cam is not available again, uh, we don't know how the situation will go, but it's going to have to be a great week of preparation, a great week of development for us to have a shot. You know, you can't go in in another zero touchdown, two to three interception game and, and think you're going to win the game. Could you? Yeah, because you don't know how many times Arkansas State will turn it over and yada, 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 but you can't count on that. So right now it's not great. You know, these I'm I'm still on the same uh, thing that we talked about with Fancher too. You can't put all of the failures on the quarterback you can't. for this. And, and you know, I mean, we're isolating to say what was his grade here. So I'm not saying, hey, other people pulled him down to a D. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I'm saying that some of the same problems that Cam faced this year, Cole has also faced. And I brought that up when we were talking about the eerily similar stat lines for the two different halves mm -hmm. in the Coastal game is how similar they were. And I'm not saying one is so much better than the other. I'm saying until we fix all of the problems, they're not going to be able to come out here and put together these A-plus, without a doubt, performances because we still have problems elsewhere on the offense. And it's, it's all across the board. You know, you, you, you can't look at this game and look at the yardage and look at the no points and all that and say, nah, the offense was fine. If you plug in a different quarterback, we would have done that. Certainly wasn't going to happen. You can throw Peyton Manning out there in his peak and he, he'll, he'll probably put some points on the board somehow, but you're talking about the elite of the elite. It would take to go out there with the problems that we had on the, on moving the ball. Right. And it was, 
the thing is the 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 factor that Cam brings to the table that early in his career Cole is not is that mobility to maybe elude you know some some pass rush. Now Cole was not sacked in this game, right? So no sacks for the South Alabama defense against a really good defensive line. But we still have seen all season long issues in pass protection, you know, and and. So you can't just deny that, you know, where you don't, you're right. You don't pin everything on the quarterback, but still the Mm -hmm. stats are what the stats are. There's a lot that goes into it, but uh, you have to be able to still complete some passes, put some drives together and try to get some points on the board. And we're not seeing that right now. I don't know what the freaking answer is, man. If I did, I wouldn't do a podcast. I'd be a freaking coach. You know what I mean? But I can only talk about what I'm seeing and I'm not seeing points go on the scoreboard, uh, you know, with any regularity. And that's not just on Cole. That's all season. So what do you got for this offense as a whole? Offense as a whole, I've got an F. And uh, if there was a lower grade, I'd give it. And that's not a shot at the unit. That's not a shot at the coach. That's not a shot at anything. It's just the performance on the field was an F. Mm -hmm. It was the lowest that we've seen all year. It's the second time that we've been shut out since that Toledo game, 42 to nothing in the year 2000 we got shut out versus rice and that's after the collapse of that team and uh, i think it was five uh interceptions thrown by uh wells yeah uh, wells so we got shut out that just does not happen and the yards first let's just go down these drives first one three plays one yard one minutes 18 seconds interception. Mm-hmm. Second possession, three plays, four yards, 37 seconds, interception. Third possession, three plays, four yards, a minute 47, punt. Next one, three plays, five yards, a minute 20, punt. Next one, five plays, 30 yards, Two minutes, 37 seconds, punt. That was our best drive so far the first half was a five-play, 30-yard punt mm-hmm. possession. Next one, four plays, zero yards, two minutes, 38 seconds, punt. Next one, three plays, five yards, a minute, 12, punt. Next one, four plays, four yards, 54 seconds, punt. Next one, three plays, 12 yards, interception, 12 seconds, that one, we're down 21 to nothing. That is the end of the first half. We've got 80 total yards, 18 passing yards. We've got no, uh, I don't think we made it into the, I don't think we made it across the 50. We were real close to the 50 for that final pass. We may have gotten over to like the 48 or 47. Otherwise, we didn't get down into their territory until late in the third quarter and our best, we had a nine play 26 yards, four minutes and 13 and an eight play 36 yards, three fifty five, and an eight play 49 yards, two thirty eight. That was uh two turnovers on downs and a punt. That was our second half possessions. Right. Right. They just, they just sat on the ball. They didn't have to do much of anything. 
Well, no, no, they had a sizable lead and yeah. three fourths of the game told you, well, Marshall can't do anything. What do we need? Yeah. We just need to run the ball and keep the clock running and we'll get out of here with an easy win. And that's what happened. Offensively, it's broken. It's broken. There's no way to shy around it, right? It's broken. If you can't put points on the board and, and you're off of a week where you did do that. So that kind of stuff just tells me 75 week is a real thing. You know, people laugh and, and might snicker at that, but that's a real thing. You can't tell me you lose five straight games and you're all out of sorts and you come into that one game and you play like you play. And then you come right out the next week and can't put a single point on the board. 75 weeks, a real thing. Okay. Uh, offensively it's broken. I don't know what we do. You've got one of the greatest running backs ever in the backfield. And that's not enough of a weapon to fuel this entire offense. You have to have something complimentary happen. We're not getting enough complimentary anythings to happen. And that's why you're five and six. You know, if you can't score, you can't win. That's it. I've got a final got a final stat to put up here. Um and the caveat to this is like you said, it counted as a negative rushing attempt for Cole with that mm -hmm. snap going over his head. And he did what he was supposed to do after it was snapped before he called for it as he ran down and covered it up to prevent, you know, catastrophic, uh, you know, scoop and score or them recovering, whatever. 42 rushing yards. We had seven penalties for 41 yards. We almost had more penalties than we had rushing yards. Mm -hmm. 201 yeah. yards total, no points. I went down the drive list of the first half. Second half, you know, we moved the ball better, which, I mean, you know, you're talking about you pick up a first down and it's better. You pick up uh, eight yards on a drive and it's better. I mean, we did not get much at all in the in the first half with anything. An F. I mean, that's just what it is. It's an yep. F. What do you got for the defense? Defense, I've got a C-. Uh, like we talked about, they uh, – they stopped them from scoring, held them to uh, uh, two field goals there when it was you know stacked against them as far as field possession went. They stopped that uh, uh, fourth and one mm -hmm. uh, to a great back, uh, not only keeping uh, you know them from going for a touchdown. It was fourth and one on the one, kept them out of the end zone, and we get the ball back. You know, uh, that that was a potential 14-point swing if we could drive down and, and score right there, you know, that 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 stop save. But when you start looking at Colin Lacey was able to do whatever he wanted when he was catching the ball, uh, we talked about the hits and them getting yards after contact, and ultimately they just could not do enough. And I feel like... You have to say, look how long they were on the field. Yeah. You know, I have to say they did a great job considering, but we're not talking about they did an A-plus job. They did a C or a C-minus job, and it could have been a lot worse if the defense hadn't done what they did, but I feel like that's a fair grade from my point of view. It is, and it, a couple of things for me. It, you had some really solid individual performances. Right. Mm -hmm. Really solid in, but it just speaks to how important JJ Roberts is to the back end of that defense and what he brings to the table as far as um, defensive playmaking ability. 
he was not in there and it had a big impact, you know. Now, if he is in that game and you still get a similar type performance from Eli Neal and Stephen Dix Jr., and then you throw 10 plus tackles on top of it that might come from JJ Roberts, what does this look like then? You know, what does that look like then? Do those yards of after contact can still stay high? It's probably doubtful, right? But you're talking about nearly, I mean, almost 13 minutes of time of possession advantage for South Alabama, a full quarter nearly. Man, you just cannot ask your defense to, to stop an offense with as many playmakers as uh, South Alabama has all game long like that. Now, I guess in fairness, you can say, well, they weren't in the whole game because we saw the backup quarterback come in and we saw the second stringers get more game towards the end of the game because they were just cruising, you know? So we weren't able to do anything early offensively in order to keep that time of possession more even to keep our guys off the field defensively, and it showed. C-minus is fair. They still gave up the scores, right? They still gave up the yards, but they were behind the eight ball a little bit with being on the field too much. Can't do it to those guys, especially this late in the season when everybody's not 100% anyway. I mean, you really can't be minus 13 minutes of time of possession. That That's a, just a tall ask. That's a tall ask in game one of the season, much less game 11 of the season. What do you got for special teams? Special teams, I've got to see, and mainly that's because there just wasn't much opportunity to do anything. Uh, there wasn't much uh, for the return game uh, opportunity-wise, and the only reason that this is not any higher is because Colin Lacey really ran all over on on some returns as well. Yeah. Um, if, if they would have had more opportunity to do something, but, I mean, you're talking about you can't – it's hard to kick and pin somebody inside the five-yard line when you're kicking from your opposite 20, you know, uh, there's just not a whole lot of opportunity of, hey, let's let's pin them back deep. And there just wasn't much there. Uh, you had all kinds of opportunities for um, returns, except for they kicked it to where you can't return it or kicked it to your uh, your other guy. Turner was back there uh, more often, but could, couldn't get anything from uh, Harrison. So I just got them right in the middle of C. Yeah, they made the marked decision to not kick to Jaden Harrison. That was smart on their behalf. Um, punt return team, just no opportunities offensively, defensively on punt coverage. Lacey just did damage, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know if what that speaks to that, you know, if you do you go, you know what, man, let's just kick it out of bounds. We'll lose a few yards on the overall punt to try to keep this guy from getting a 15, 18-yard return. I don't know what you do, man. John McConnell yeah. had a had a really good day considering, but it sucks that your punter has to continually be the bright spot because that means you're not doing much in any of the other phases, you know? So, uh, C's fair. Uh, the fumble on the kick return is always going to knock you down a notch because even though it wasn't a true turnover, it was an opportunity lost to maybe create something for your struggling offense. Um, but – it is what it is. What do you got for coaches this week? I always say this is the toughest one uh, because, you know, we're not at practice and we're not in the locker room and we're not on the sidelines, so it's hard to see and hear or whatever. But, you know, coaches take the blame. I give them an F. When you don't score in a, in a game, it's an F. Yep. Um, we went down there. We have bowl eligibility on the line, a winning season on the line 
they got an F because it was a failure to get it done. And all the coaches are going to tell you uh, when you talk to the coaches, it's like, you know, ultimately it's on us and ultimately our grades are on them and they're getting an F. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it was bad all the way around. (laughs) You know, what else kind of could it be? You know, there's not enough good things that offset the inabilities and the bad things, you know. Um, But I think the one thing that really stuck out to me this week and uh, it just didn't sit right with me and it didn't sit right with a lot of fans was saying that Marshall had an uh, emotional hangover from 75 week and you had players say the exact opposite. No, we didn't have an emotional hangover. You know, we just didn't play well. We didn't do our job, right? And I don't think I don't think I'm ever going to be okay with that. You know what I mean? Because you 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 75 weeks not as an, is not as an is not an excuse to play poorly the following week. It's a reason that you are turn around and re-energize to go finish the season strong, right? Especially on a win. Yes, it's an emotional game. That's that's the one that's more special than anything, right? But that is supposed to be a catapulting type thing to galvanize your team for the the, the final stretch, you know? And um, I saw a number of folks online that were just like, mm, can't say that, you know? And um, I, I'm not going to pretend that, like, uh, I know that, you know, the exact meaning about behind what was said or how I was supposed to interpret it. But how I did interpret it was like, man, that ain't cool, man. Like, 75 weeks, what we hang our hat on. You know what I'm saying? Like, when all is bad, and, and it was bad in this season, and we come in and that one get, gave us the win we needed and everybody felt good and it was like, yes. You know, Um but I think it was more telling to have a player just immediately say, I don't think it was an emotional hangover at all. You know, we they had spoken to us like, all right, we got to get past this one. We can't have a hangover. And at least that particular player didn't feel that to be the case. You know, we, we didn't have a hangover. So um, great is what it is. But, you know, um, that was that was. That was bad, man. I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, not pointing fingers. I'm not, you know, trying to stir any shit or anything like that. It was just like, I just wouldn't have expected that, you know, that's all. I just wouldn't have expected that comment. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I don't take lightly that we speak into microphones and that by very nature amplifies our voice and people listen to that and, you know, we may form opinions and I'm not trying to pile on anybody, but that just didn't sit right with me, man. I didn't, I didn't like that. You know, you're supposed to embrace what you do in 75 week and use it, you know, not use it for good, not, not use it as a reason that you lost 28 to nothing the following week, you know? So, um, I'm not going to get animated about it. I'm not trying to create enemies or anything, really not. But, um, I know I wasn't alone in feeling that way when I heard that. So uh, what about I didn't oh, I didn't uh, I was just going to say I didn't read the article. I didn't watch the press conference. So yeah. I I got no comment on it. Uh, I would have to go and do that. But after the game, I just really was done with 
all things football, I really didn't want to do the spaces that night, yeah. the post-game spaces. Yeah. And I did, you know, and, and there were only three people that spoke and everything. And I, I mentioned a couple of different times. I feel like after these games, after the losses, I have to relive them a couple of times because I usually go back and do a rewatch. Yeah. And when I rewatch it, you know, I have to go back and see all this stuff again. And that's just so I can talk about it on here, which is the third time that I have to relive the game. Um, I couldn't even do the rewatch because I was like, what am I going to pick up? What's the rewatch? From the rewatch that I don't already, you know, I mean, I could go by and say, well, let's see on these false starts that were called, you know, how egregious it was. Yeah. I saw, I saw how it was. Let's go back and look and see if it was, uh, you know, uh, blocking that that got the guy you know uh in the backfield for a one yard loss instead of a two yard gain on a run you know it's inconsequential we didn't yeah. put up points it was zero points and we had 201 yards of offense we had almost as many penalties as we did rushing yards there's just no reason to go back and watch that game so i was so checked out uh, after doing the spaces and i'm on vacation you know so I'm like, uh, I can't do it. So I didn't watch. I didn't read. I didn't do anything more about the football game until it was time to prep for the show this morning. Yeah. And I got a, I got a few things to say kind of in that same vein, but it's going to come right here. So what do you got for the fans? Fans I've got as a B. Um, I didn't see anything like horrible, horrible, um, uh, Again, I wasn't on as much, so maybe there was some stuff out there that I didn't see. Um, I also didn't get to see a crowd shot of the game to see how many we had there for people that were actually in person. But just in what I have talked to and stuff, no one is accepting of a loss. They're just calling it what it was, is that was one of the worst losses ever, you know? And I mean, it truly brought me back to the year 2000, that 42 to nothing loss to Toledo. That's yeah. what it brought me back to uh, the rice game. I, it's that entire season was so weird to me because it was the COVID year and there was games canceled and then you had to shift opponents around and everything about it was just, it's almost like that is an alternate reality season to me. I know we played the games. I know what happened. I know we were ranked and we go in to face rice and it's a 20 to nothing goose egg and we just, you know, get bowled over. I know all about it, but I have compartmentalized that season so much that it took me back to the year 2000 mm -hmm. and that's, a, and to hear the fans, there was just a whole bunch of disappointment and a whole bunch of, I just gotten, I, I, I didn't see all the other things that I saw earlier when, you know, they were saying, well, all these people got to go and all these people got to go. And we're talking about players and stuff like that. I didn't see as bad of that thing. And probably it's because I wasn't on the line as much, but I'm just going with the B man. Cause it didn't seem as bad this week. I was online a fair amount. You know, I usually try to monitor what's going on and, and, you know, I'm also waiting to tweet touchdown herd. Right. Yeah. And, so that didn't happen, obviously, but uh, there were some things. It was like, you know, the usual suspects that you expect to see being very loud and being very vocal and being very boisterous and oftentimes rude. Uh, but it's 
I think it might be more telling that you interpreted that you didn't see that because that means maybe more people were just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm checked out. Right. And that's worse than, than sometimes saying at least having enough left in you to say something. They're just like, I'm, I don't want to do it anymore. Well, what I have to say as a caveat is I was not counting the, what you just said, the usual suspects that, that were doing that stuff. I have not, counted that toward it because it's just come to me it's every it's every every yeah. game it's every play yeah. sometimes yeah so yeah. you get i get it but uh, i'm with you uh, you, you know you can't you also don't toss around things like this is one of the worst losses you don't do that lightly because yeah. you have to you have to categorize that and you do a great job of that three shutouts in 23 years how can it not be one of the worst losses right I mean, there have been heartbreaking losses where we've right. been back and forth and back and forth and lost it late or, you know, and there have been blowout losses. But just mm -hmm. from the category of shutout losses, there haven't been many. And um, when you tack on the fact that you had bowl eligibility to gain, you had a winning regular season to gain despite a five-game losing streak through the meat of that schedule, there was a lot left to, to fight for, right? And um, – it just didn't show up today. So the fans could have been obscenely brutal if they had chosen to be. Um, but I don't think, I think, you know, like you, some of them were just kind of over it for the week and they didn't want to put any more energy into that weekend from a football standpoint. They were exhausted from it. The game drained me. It did because I just sat there and wanted, I just wanted something good to happen. And you know, you, you can point to like, you know, we had a sack here, we had a sack there and we had a fumble recovery and that's, that's it. That that's all you get to go. Yes. You know, and, and it was just not, not, a, not great, not great overall. What do you got? F. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to reiterate everything I've said. Why that, yeah. you know, zero points, 200 yards. F. Yeah. Every box that could have been checked, none of them were checked, right? We could be talking about the preview here in a couple of days with Arkansas State with a totally different vibe and pep in our step, you know, but mm -hmm. we're not. We're, we're not going to do that uh, just by nature of where we are, you know, um, but yeah, it's fair enough. Offensive MVP, MVP, do you have one? No. Okay. Same. There wasn't really one to be had. Uh, defensive MVP, do you have one? Yeah, tied uh, between Neil and Dix. I think that their lines were eerily similar, and both of them playing linebacker, and, I mean, they just seemed to be some of the only thing that was going right on the defense. Yeah, it was nice. I would have picked both of those guys, too, and, you know, their impact plays were different, but both, you know, effective in, you know, what, what the minimum impactful plays we had. You know, Dix accounts for one of the three sacks, and Eli Neal gets a uh, fumble recovery. Special teams, MVP? McConnell, he did what he could with what he had, you know. Yeah. So. This, guy, this guy's going to have a real legitimate shot at being, like, one of the MVPs of the team this year, John McConnell, because he has punted really well. Uh, you know, I think I, I can't remember, you know, my memory's not what it was ever like, and it has never been on the level of yours, but I seem to recall us talking about some punting struggles, maybe in week one or two or whatever. And it was like, man, we got to 
step it up a little bit. And it seemed like at one point he just hit the zone and got in a stride and has not yeah. come off of that stride. It's just been really, really good. And it's really great to see, you know, West Virginia kid having a positive impact on this herd team. And while this might sound bad, it's not. The only downfall is that he's the punter and you don't want your punter to have to be the MVP or an MVP of the team. Well, you want yeah. him to be that in addition to, you know, other guys. So that it's just like further, you know, drives down the throat of your opponents how hard it's going to be for you to win against Marshalls because just when you think you've got them stopped, well, now you're going to have to go on a long field to score. But he's just been a constant bright spot. He and Jaden Harrison have been a constant bright spot all season long. Uh, really happy for John. So, Russ, uh, you got any final words? No. Okay. I don't want to. <laughs> okay. Next up, senior day for the Herd. 11-25, uh, games at 3.30. Home finale, Arkansas State. Fresh off of a 77-point effort, some belt record for scoring. And I know that might make folks go, holy God, really? You know, we had, we, we're we off of a game where we didn't score a point, and they're off of a game where they set a some belt record in points. Yeah, it was a pretty wild game. You, you could uh, just go to that game that they just played and look at their drive chart, and you'll see how they got there. It's, a, it's amazing that they scored 77 points without a passing touchdown. But they did. Um, but I would say this. There's no guarantee we're going to win a game. There's no guarantee we're going to lose that game. Okay? Uh, we've got to win it to get another one. You've got to win one to get another game, right? We win or we're done. So with that in mind, I want you to keep in mind, before we talk about the preview here in a couple of days, this may be your final opportunity to see some all-time great players. That's another term I don't toss out lightly. All time great players play their game could be their final game at Jonesy Edwards stadium and could be their final game in a Marshall uniform. If you want to do your part to make sure it is not their final game in a Marshall uniform, go to the game, be loud, be early cheer. There's still something on the table for this herd team. I understand that you might be mad. Hell I'm mad. I wanted to win this week too, but there are some guys and we're going to feature them all when we do the preview, but Owen Porter, Sam Burton could be Rasheen Ali's final game. Dalton Tucker, right? There are some seniors on this team that have bled and fought and given all they've got to provide you with memories and wins and, and smiles and laughs and hugs and all that kind of stuff. It'll probably be a little chilly, but I believe you owe it to guys like Owen Porter to go out there, set in the stands, and root for them and give them every bit of energy that you can give. You can be mad. Go go to the game pissed off. It that's fine. Just go to the game and root for them. You know, be there for them as they have been there for you countless Saturdays and midweek games throughout their careers. You know, they didn't not show up unless they were too hurt to play. They came for you and tried to give you memories on the field. Go there for them. And a lot of them did show up when they were extremely hurt and still played. Yeah, go there for them. We got Eli Neal. We got Micah Abraham. We got Talik Keaton. I mean, there's a lot of That's players right. that are that are going to be here, and it will be their final game because their eligibility's up. Yeah. Some of these players decided to come back here, and we were extremely happy that they did. And right. we owe we owe it to go watch them. 
And uh, I'm going to be there. I'll be out tailgating. We'll talk all about it when we do the preview. But I'm going to be there, and I hope to see a bunch of other people. Yeah, we will feature all of these seniors for the preview. Um, but please, don't don't let this shutout loss stop you from going to see these guys at their final game. Even if we win a bowl game, this is their final game at Jonesy Edwards Stadium as a player. They may come back as alums and watch games and all that kind of stuff, but. This is the last time you'll see Owen Porter in a 55 jersey with the Marshall M on his helmet at Jones C. Edwards Stadium, right? Same with, I don't know, maybe 15 or 16 other guys. I don't know how many seniors we have total. We'll find that out later this week. Russ, let's go around the herd. All right, we're going to start off with volleyball, and they beat Southern Miss 3-2 to two in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament before getting bounced by the number one Texas State. So their season come to an end. I tell you, I watched that uh, Southern Miss game. I did not get to see all of the Texas State game. Uh, got to watch a little bit of it late. Uh, but the Southern Miss game, man, they got up uh, or they were down in the first two sets, came marching back mm-hmm. uh, and won the first two sets. And then they got down and could not come back in the next two. And then they just ran away with it in the fifth and final set. Uh it, it showed you a little bit of what they were capable of doing, but the Texas state team is really, really good. And if you've seen how the rankings have gone with uh, Sunbelt, we were ranked fourth in the East with a four and 12 overall conference record. It's, it's almost the haves and the have nots in the Sunbelt right now, as far as the elite teams go. And right. we ran into an elite team and that's, that's why we got bounced, but we still put up a good effort against them. Yeah, I mentioned in the uh, kind of the lead-in that they notched a tournament win, and I don't think anybody mm-hmm. was going to credit them with doing that. I, I bet you right. most of the folks that pay attention to that stuff outside of the Marshall fan base or the Marshall contingent penciled the herd to get bounced. And to go in and get a victory, man, it, it's still incremental steps, you know? And mm-hmm. when you – underperformed to your own expectation, right? We talked to Ari that she had some pretty high expectations. She she thought they were going to be far more competitive this year and it just didn't work out that way. So to still go in and notch a Sunbelt conference tournament win before getting eliminated by a really good team, that's a momentum builder. You know, that, that is a momentum builder. They've, they've got something they can look at and say, Hey, this is our, you know, new floor. Now you want to talk about record wise, they've got a lot that they can point at and go, this is where we want to be. But at the end of it all, they can point and go, you know what? We got us a first round win. Now we need to move, move deeper into the tournament. Now we need to be able to make it to that final. So I'm really happy for coach Ari and and her staff and these players, you know, they could have packed it in after they went up and then lost two sets and then forced a fifth set. Mm -hmm. Both teams back against the wall. It says a little bit about the moxie of this team that they were like, Oh, we got this one. You know what I mean? And go out and, and had a dominating or a very convincing fifth set to kind of run away and put that match away. Good for them, man. Good for them. What's next? Swimming and diving. And I can't go over all the results, but we had a bunch of uh, top 10 all-time school yep. uh, performances. Uh, we finished uh, day one third overall in the team dive. Uh, we had a lot of different uh, top five, uh, top 10 uh finishes amongst our swimmers and our divers. So Purdue Invitational was a really good uh, event for us to go to compete against some of the bigger uh, schools. 
and uh like to see us keep building off that yeah it was pretty cool man i was i was kind of reading up on the articles and i can't remember the mm -hmm. who did what and what did what but sure. it was you're right it was a lot of of uh you know 10 top 10 finishes and on the final day they added a few more top 10 finishes of all time at you know at marshall and for folks most folks don't know right especially younger fans even i say younger and i'm including us in that because this is an yeah. era before us but we were a very good swim and dive team in the southern conference i had mm -hmm. a professor i think i've mentioned this before i had a professor as an undergrad who was the swim and dive coach you know during that era and he used to talk about that a lot you know and and he was an entertaining guy but he would talk about it. And, you know, as an undergrad, I didn't have any interest in that. And I was in class. I was trying to go to class, do my work, and go home, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, that stuck with me. So when you start seeing things like top 10 all-time finishes, knowing how yeah. uh, how much of a history, believe it or not, that Marshall has in swim and dive, should make you perk up and go, hey, man, that's freaking awesome. Yeah, like, I'm not. I'm not telling you to know every single swim and dive swimmer and diver on the roster. You don't have to do that. Hell, I don't know that, right? But I can still appreciate it when I hear stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to be a martial historian and know everything about every sport. But listen to us when we tell you, you know, we've had a good history, a really impressive history of swim and dive. So when you see things like this, make you feel good a little bit, right? Just take our word for it. If you don't feel like looking it up, don't look it up. That's fine. We'll tell you. But uh, Ian Walsh has really done a great job over his tenure here, and uh, particularly the past couple of years, we've we've seen we've seen more and more frequently, you know, top ten finish, all time record, this kind of thing, personal best after personal best after personal best, you know. So uh, it's just a really cool program to keep tabs on. Not an avid fan. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a diehard. Right, but. How about those uh, young thundering herd swim caps too? Those yeah, are pretty those are badass, pretty man. Those are pretty dope. Yeah. Still sell the towels. I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? Cross country, and here's where you thought it was going to be in the five. Guilty. Uh, Guilty. Abby Herring finished 199th at the NCAA finals with a time of 21 minutes 30.5 seconds in the women's 6K. You may say 199th. That doesn't sound all that great. Hey, she was the only female athlete ever from Marshall to make a NCAA finals, by the way, is what yeah. this was yet again, NCAA finals. And, uh, you know, you're talking about if she could have shaved off a few seconds, she's going to shoot up a little higher on, yeah. on the, on the board. I went yeah. and looked at the leaderboard, you know, I think she would have went 15 to so many places if she would have been five seconds faster or something like that. Right. Uh, which over 6K, I mean, that's that's not a lot of time, you know. Uh, but great, absolute great performance so far this year. And I know that she probably still has the spring to still run and do some things. But uh, we just, we've talked on this show, and you mentioned it before, in the two years that we've been doing this, uh, covering this, she has, we've seen at least half of her Hall of Fame, no doubt, career, and we've gotten to talk about it, and we've talked about her more than just about any individual athlete when we're talking about the Around the Herd and the uh, Five Things. Yeah, uh, and and I kind of shot our shot, you know, moving in, because I asked, I flat out asked on, you know, not officially to a you know marshall 
athletics department employee, but I, can we get her on the show? You know, we, we, I want to get her on the show, you know, and it's not just because she made it to an NCAA final. It's, I feel comfortable saying outside of football, she is probably the most talked about herd athlete that we have had on this show. I mean, we haven't yeah. had her on the show, but the most talked about athlete on this show. And I'd just like to talk to her. He's in state, you know, Parkersburg, West Virginia girl doing, you know, having an all time career. It's like she is the standard now because she's the only one to ever go to an NCAA final. She has set, broken, and rebroken countless records for her cross country. She is the standard. She is the Mount Rushmore of herd women's cross country for who knows how long, right? And I don't know what the, uh, like how long you have to be graduated or whatever before they put you on a ballot. But if she's not a first ballot hall of famer, right? Like she, if she doesn't get voted on in the first year, we're not doing it right. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's five years. <laughs> well, uh, to class of 2029 or whatever, when we're doing that, or if they do it 2030, are they doing yeah, it every two they're years? Every two years now. So yeah. I don't know if it's odd or even we we'll had to get back into it and look, well, and whatever see, it is, but... 29 or 30, Abby Herring. Book it. Yeah. If we're still podcasting and doing the Thundercast in six years, five years, book it. We called it now. Hell, we probably called it last year. But uh, love to get her on the show. Really proud of her. Done something that no one else has ever done in herd history. That just doesn't happen very often. Good for her. All right, we got women's basketball. They lost to Northern Kentucky 76-66 to on Saturday in their home opener against Point Park is today at 6 p.m. I'm taking the family. I really hope to see a lot of people there to watch this. Our first ever game for Coach Caldwell and this new uh, new style of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got to say, I was watching that game on Saturday, and uh, they were down seemingly late. I can't remember if it was late third or early fourth. They were down by 20. Yeah. And, you know, Coach Caldwell had said, you know, it's going to be ugly early, you know, as we, these players learn to do things that they've always been taught to do the exact opposite as far as like, you know, turn and run back on, you know, this where we actually want you to run forward, you know. Yeah. And um, they cut it to seven in seemingly two minutes of play. If that doesn't tell you how lightning quick we can turn things around or go on these huge runs or whatever. I mean, it was just like the press was smothering, the threes were hitting, you know, uh, everything was going right during that one little run. Overall, it looked like what killed us in this game was our three-point percentage was just drastically lower than what it normally is. Yeah. If you have an indicator, I mean, you might have an indicator, but for those listening that don't, if you're not looking – they chucked 46 three-point attempts in this game. 46, right? That's the style of play we're looking at. Uh, and it was only 9 of 46. If a few more of those hit, think about that. That's less than yeah, 20%. Four more. If, four if more 30, hit. If you're shooting a third, 34%, right, you win that ball game. That's all it is, a handful of buckets, like you're saying. Yep. Uh, but Rashala Scott, 17 in that one. Abby Beeman, 26 in that one. Mahogany Matthews with 12. And Brianna Campbell had eight. The majority of the scoring come between those four gals. I think all but maybe just three points is, is you know, was, was that the those four. So one and two on the season. I'm 
<laughs> dude, what what do we, we're not even talking about nothing other than this is going to work because it's going to yeah. work. It's just yeah. a matter of rewiring and, you know, a it might take a couple of years to get for Coach Kim to be able to recruit and get the exact type of player she gets, she wants. You know, we might have five or six good ones that truly fit her system right now. But when she has 12, look mm -hmm. out, right? Yeah. And we're still going to win games in the meantime. So it's not like right. you're looking at a 1-30 and 30 team here. No, 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 no. It's just they're, they're, when their shots aren't hitting, mm. you know. But if you're throwing up 46 three-pointers in a game, I mean, damn, if you're hitting 12 of those, you're probably going to win a lot of games, you know. Yeah. So – 76 66 whatever home opener first ever in the Kim coach Kim era at the cam tonight. I know this will go up tomorrow but we will be giving tickets away to that. We are season ticket holders so we will have tickets that have will have already been given away. Uh but you need to perk up on that because it's not just one home game. It's a whole season worth and we give tickets away to all of them and I don't know how we'll do that but you know I try generally try to make it easy since there's so many basketball games. It's a lot of times it's just you know, when you see the, the tweet go up, just say, I, I want them. And all yeah. we ask is that you go to the games. That's it. Mm -hmm. Just go. If you claim our tickets, go to the freaking games. Our whole point for doing this is to get fans to the games. If you have no intention of going kindly, don't tell me you want them. Right? Yeah. Just go to the games. That's it. What's next? Men's basketball. And they are down at the Cayman Islands Classic, and they lost 83-60 to 60, uh, to Utah State. And they play today at 5 p.m. and it's Florida International is mm -hmm. who they end up playing. Uh, final game on this uh, tournament will be on Tuesday, and then they head to Kentucky at Rupp Arena on Friday. Yeah. Uh, of note, this was not a good game for the herd. Utah State 83 to 60. Marshall's now one and two. Uh, but come to find out. Obina's travel visa was there was a problem with it, and he did not make the trip to the Cayman Islands Classic. So that's going to be a big impact, both defensively and offensively, for this team. But mm -hmm. still, you know, there, nobody really had a dominating game in, with uh, Obina's absence down low. Uh, Nate Martins did ten and ten points, five rebounds. Uh, Crawford, 10.6 rebounds, and uh, Voyles, 17 points. Kirkman chipped in with eight. Another one of those rough shooting nights, four of 18 from downtown for the Herd, just 22%. That's the kind of thing. Both these teams look like they're going to live and die by the three-pointer, which is not surprising for a Dan D'Antoni coach team. But if you're going to shoot them, you got to hit them. Uh, Florida International is not a very good team either. They're one and four on the season. Somebody's got to win tonight. I hate having to use terms like that in herd games. Somebody's got to win, but that's what it is right now. You're down one of your best players in Obana. Somebody's got to win. Might as well be the herd. Let's see what they can do. And finally, we go over to men's soccer, and I was at that game as well. What a a performance three nothing shutout of California Baptist second round of the NCAA tournament. And they play this Sunday at 2 PM facing Stanford. Mm -hmm. Stanford uh, kind of pulling for that one. Not necessarily from a matchup standpoint. Don't know crap about Stanford, but I always love the idea of a team having to travel all the way across the country uh, and, and play because if you're, if that's your opponent, that, undoubtedly will give you an advantage there's so many time changes and you know travel logistics and stuff like that it just 
gives you a little bit of an edge, I think, and, and Marshall doesn't really need an edge. You're the number one team for a reason. Um, we sent a couple of fans to the game, and they were treated to a doozy, and damn it, we're going to do it again. So uh, be on the lookout for hour two, third row, reserved seats, which will be behind the Stanford bench, but provides a great view of the game. Undoubtedly will be another sellout. This game was a sellout, so um, you can expect another rowdy uh, vet for this game. And, man, a couple more games, and the Herd's off to the real College Cup in Louisville. Got to feel good about them. It's so good. It's, this, was the, this was the injection of positivity that I needed to get me past Saturday. Yeah. You know, waking up and getting a big soccer victory, that was the one, man. That was that brought me right back to um, feeling great. You know, I, w- I was feeling pretty ho hum, and this soccer team put me right back to feeling great again. In the in this game, man, Matthew Bell just continued to look like an absolute wizard with the ball. He uh, fakes people out. He's fast with uh, running with the ball. Uh, his passing. I don't watch everybody's soccer every single game that is national, but I can't imagine there being someone just that much better at passing than Matthew Bell. He seems like he's always like threading the needle and putting people right where it needs to be for them to score. Yeah. Uh, He had on his first goal, if you haven't seen it on social media, he's almost out of bounds and he, you know, just does a fancy footwork and goes around like three people and just kicks it in right off the, the goalie. Uh, for our first score. And later on in the game, it wasn't the entire team, but California Baptist had a couple of players that just started playing a little bit dirty. There was a shove out of bounds and uh, there was no card given. So our guy runs up, uh, I think it was Sterngard, runs up and just, or maybe it's Dugan, one of the two, I can't remember now, runs up and pushes that guy and basically says, you're not going to do this. The guy pushes him back, and those two get yellow cards and get talked to by the ref. Ref might as well have been blindfolded on some of these calls. I mean, it was just, we got on him, we got on him really badly. I can and say, and that's that. the thing you can't have because one team, when they're down three to, no, they have nothing. They to have lose. nothing to lose. Nothing. So you but have to be quick you with get, that. You, you get know? a red card on one of our guys, exactly. and then they can't they can't play in the next in the next game. Exactly. And as so, far as I understand it, how the tournament is going to work. So going into scenarios like that, if you're an official, you have to be quick, quicker than you probably normally would to. Yeah can't prevent a team that's going to move on from unjustly yeah. being handicapped and having a player out because of your lack of control in a game when you should have thrown a card or, you know, so this guy has, feels like he has to retaliate to take up for his own self or his own teammate because the official didn't do it. Yeah. You have yeah. to be quicker than that. So that's that you put on officiating. I am, I will never, say to somebody like, oh, you just got to be smarter than that and understand the moment. Dude, screw that. You're a team and you're a family. You're going to take up for your brother. And if somebody's not going to do it, if those who are supposed to protect you aren't protecting you, then by by all means, protect yourself. That's what you got to do. You got to stick up for one another. So I put that squarely on an official to have to uh, be quicker with keeping order in games, right? That's it. And not too uh, far before that incident that I was talking about, one of the California Baptist players did a split. He lost his footing and did a split, and we weren't even really around him. 
there was no contact that caused it. He went to do a move and lost his footing and did a split and he's holding his groin. And I think he landed on his wrist because he wasn't expecting to fall either. So he's laying there in pain and the ref comes over and gives Matthew Bell a yellow card who did not touch the guy. Mm-hmm. And Bell is like, what are you talking about? And the guy's giving him a warning. And you're like, well, if he gets another yellow card, then he might get a red card and he's out of the next game. And what would that do sure. to us? You know? So it, it was just, it was horrible on the officiating. Um, but, and people can correct me. It's not like I'm a, uh, a soccer master when I'm watching all this stuff. So if I have the cards wrong, you know, feel free to correct me. Um, but it, it was apparent we were the better team. They, uh, they didn't get as many looks, I mean, of, of offensive uh, shots and stuff like that. And we, when they did, it wasn't like they were bad at it, but we were that good at keeping it off of that end of the field every time. You know, we controlled that entire game. And it just seems like we are destined to do that and just outplay everybody. We're that good of a team. Yeah. No, it was, it was, uh, quite convincing, you know, and, um, just going to have to keep matching that energy. As long as Marshall stays at home, you got to keep bringing that energy. You can tell those dudes feed off of it. And then more so when you go to Louisville, what a great setup. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about three hours away from Huntington. You less. Can be in Louisville. You can be in Louisville. You know? It's less. It's, it's two and a half hours. <clears throat> Regardless, it ain't six. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a short shoot down 64, you know, straight shot and you can be there. So, Let's keep it up, man. If you got nothing else, let's take it out of here. If you got any final words. No, whether you uh, see us at the Joan, whether you see us at the Cam, or whether you see us at Senior Day final game, we're out there tailgating and we're going to be in the stands no matter where you see us. Where we say, go herd. Go herd. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you in a couple of days for an Arkansas State preview, but make your plans now. Get your asses to the Joan on Saturday for, for no other reason for your seniors. They deserve it. We'll see you in a couple of days. Later.